everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. We're so sad about the flooding in Emilia-Romagna in Italy and the race cancellation, but we are so excited for Monaco. And we have some really fun segments for you today as well. We're going to ask ChatGBT some F1 questions and then <laughs> talk all about F1 Academy. So very excited for that. I'm Sarah. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Chessa. Okay, let's start with the Monaco Grand Prix preview. I think this race barely needs any introduction. It's the most iconic race on the F1 calendar, and it's one that people have definitely heard of, even if they have no idea what F1 is. So take that as you will. The circuit winds right through the city of Monaco's principality. It sits right along the French Riviera. It's very picturesque. It's 78 laps, 19 turns, and because there's so many twists and turns, the drivers will make up to 5,000 gear changes in a race. It's wild. The top speed's only around 180 miles per hour, faster than Sarah did on her hot laps, but still slow (laughs) for an F1 car. Actually, only 14 miles an hour faster. (laughs) So this isn't a super fast track. It's really narrow. It has low and medium speed corners, hairpins, and everything, so... The average speed is around 100 miles an hour, and there's only one DRS zone. Sarah, my favorite part of the hot lap video is, how do drivers sit straight up in their race cars? <laughs> my dad was like, maybe Sarah needs to go to Pilates more so she can hold her, her neck up. And I'm like, I don't oh think my Pilates like, makes your neck stronger. I also, guys, I had no idea that there was audio in the car. I thought it was only, I thought it was only the GoPro, so I totally would have tried to you handled yourself incredibly well. You did it bad. myself. You did a curse. I would have been like, it would have been off limits. I guess it was more giggling than screaming. But yeah, me getting thrown all over the place makes it even funnier that Duncan, who is a British race car driver, the guy who was driving, is just looks so chill the entire time, just totally unbothered. I'm like, so, so nice. I'm here because I have a podcast, so I'm really better at talking than doing. <laughs> I was dying. It was so good. We digress. Back to Monaco. It's all about the precision and qualifying here. It's super difficult to overtake because, again, this track is really made for not modern race cars. Um, So quali can be the highlight of the weekend, as we have seen many times. So also, since it's so narrow, tiny mistakes are punished. Remember Checo in the wall last year, although there's still debate. On whether or not that was intentional. We're not doing that today. (laughs) But we're not getting into that today. Um, The circuit definitely gets criticized a bit for this because it's not really made, like we said, for modern F1 cars and their size. We did ask about this on Instagram. If you all still like this race because of the history and how exciting quality is, or if you think it's just not as exciting because it's not really built for the modern cars, 84% of you said you were fans of it. So ladies, do we think Monaco is still worth it? I absolutely yes. think yes. Yes. Okay. I felt very vindicated <laughs> by this poll because I feel like last year when the Monaco contract was up for renewal, I felt like there was just so much chatter about, oh, Monaco's overrated. Monaco should be taken off the calendar. And I love it. I think even if it was just quali, it would be totally worth it. I think it's stunning. I love how challenging just getting in a clean lap is. So one of my faves for sure. I totally agree. I think Matt and Tommy were talking about it, uh, about how – it actually can be the most unpredictable race of the year because you yeah. never know who's going to be, you know, number one in quality. It's not like a race where Max can start P9 and end P1 necessarily. Totally. So and also like some excitement. the whole history of the race, it's super famous for being like that 
star-studded, very glitzy event. Um, and I think everyone's probably seen this before, but all the spectators, not all of them, but the lucky ones, watch the race from their super yachts, hotel balconies lining the beachfront city circuit. Um, plus, a lot of the drivers live in Monaco. Charles is from there. Um, and so it's great. And this race is definitely home to a lot of famous moments, like Tom Brady throwing a football from one yacht to Danny Ricardo on another boat. Danny caught it. The Cannes Film Festival is also this week, so there'll be a lot of names that, like, stay in town for the race. Um, so I think there's just a lot of, like, F1 culture that goes into into the race as well. I have my Monaco poster in the background here as we record mm-hmm. in my apartment in honor. There we go. In terms of some history, the circuit was built in 1929. The first F1 race was held here in 1950. Races have been held here every year since 1955, with the exception of 2020 for COVID. There haven't really been any major track changes except for in 2004. They moved the previously cramped pit section to where the circuit swimming pool used to be. This is the true original street circuit. It's right through the heart of the city. It's on very narrow city streets. There's crazy hairpins. There's a tunnel, which is one of my favorite parts. It's not like these modern kind of purpose-built street circuits that aren't truly on the streets of the city. This is on just the regular streets of Monaco. Last year, there was a bit of drama, as we said, over whether the contract would be extended, but it's been extended through 2025. On our South of France trip last summer, I went to Monaco, went to the uh, Royal Car Museum there and walked around the track. And it's I don't even like know that it's narrow, but it was actually crazy picturing <laughs> F1 cars at, on some of these corners. Wow, that's crazy. So that brings us to last year's race, which was unreal. It was the huge Checo victory. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> called it the biggest emotional roller coaster ever, and it was. <laughs> it was an it had statement. It had yeah. all the classic Monaco moments that you would expect. The Charles curse was back in full force. There was a big quali crash plus rain, which was crazy. So for the results, Checo was P1, Signs P2, Max P3, Charles P4, and George P5. But Charles had a pole after a very chaotic quali, two red flags. Like we said, the famous Checo crash. It was kind of a strange one at Portier that caused a pileup with signs and a late red flag. And that prevented Max from finishing his final flying lap. So there was a lot of controversy around that. Um, And some of the source of the teammate angst last year between the Red Bull drivers. But then Sunday, I remember, guys, we were watching this at Fela in New York, and it was just, it took forever for the race to start. It was pouring rain, so much chaos. Even on the full wet tires, they couldn't start, and it delayed the start for over an hour. The grip, the visibility, both awful, which Monaco is not the track for that. (laughs) There was a rolling start. Everyone was required to start on full wets. It was a huge strategy race with deciding when to switch to inters, and there was a lot of complications and drama there and naturally Ferrari kind of botched this so Charles dropped from P1 to P4 on a track that's impossible to pass and yeah Red that Bull, was a bummer of course had amazing yeah, strategy from P1 to P4 is like objectively difficult to do on yes this track. yes <laughs> there was also the big Mick crash which was yeah. really sad so anyway overall just much more dramatic and chaotic than a usual Monaco race <laughs> well not saying that I'm hoping for like crashes and rain, but I'm definitely hoping for drama and chaos this weekend as per (laughs) usual. So let's get into each of the teams, talk about some of the strategy and things that they're thinking about ahead of the race. So 
overall, we definitely have to look out for upgrades here. Historically, a lot of upgrades get brought to the first race in the European summer swing that was supposed to be Imola. Of course, that got canceled. So we'll see people bringing their upgrades here. Um, logistically, it's just easier to bring the first upgrade to the first race in Europe. Every A lot of the teams have their main factories in Europe. Um, and this is definitely not a very good or representative track to be bringing upgrades, given like how different Imola is to the tight, narrow street circuit of Monaco. But we'll see how it goes. So... I'll start with Red Bull and then we'll pass it off. Monaco is going to be the place to be. Danny Ricardo loves this track. It was a huge win for him back in 2018. He did that infamous, iconic belly flop into the pool. People still talk to him and interview him about it. I don't know how he feels about like such a throwback, but definitely huge. Yeah, oh, he said in Miami at the Heineken Suite. He got asked about, I think, his favorite off-track moment in F1. And he, obviously winning Monaco is an on-track moment, but he said it was his favorite off-track moment in F1 as well, just getting to see the team after, how happy everyone was for him. So hopefully he's there this weekend to just soak in, soak in the energy. Yeah, and speaking of iconic pool jumps, this was Checo's win. Last year he did that iconic pool flip with the Mexican flag. Um Hopefully, if he wins, he'll take it a little bit easier with the victory parties last year. Oh, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, meanwhile, hopefully, Max and Checo can avoid any repeat of the drama last year, avoid any sort of drama that's been sizzling under the surface. Um, everyone will hopefully not crash and stay friends. But overall, Red Bull is really coming off of their dominant one-two in Miami. They were able to do some nice wheel-to-wheel racing with no drama. So I think things are looking really good for the team. For Ferrari, the infamous Charles curse, which is just so sad. And I, it's just, it's very upsetting. So he's <laughs> from Monaco. So this Are you race okay, is- Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel so bad for him about this race. Like I can't, I can't even. So he's from Monaco. This race is incredibly important to him. But last year was the first time he actually finished the race and it was off podium. In 2018 to 2019, he DNF'd. And then in 2021, he got pole, which was supposed to be a big kind of vindication comeback moment. But then he crashed and couldn't start the race because his car broke down and they kind of weren't able to do the repairs in time overnight. And he tried to pull out and then you could just hear his car break and him on the radio. And then last year, again, pole. And then Ferrari strategy went from P1 to P4 through no fault of his own. So... Maybe he just got to pull a Carlos this year and call his own strategy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because if they can keep it together, there's actually a huge opportunity for Ferrari. As we were talking about the track, the Red Bull straight line speed is just way less of a factor here. Ferrari typically has been stronger on some types of corners than Red Bull. Charles is amazing on this track in quality. So if he can put it together on Saturday and then nothing implodes, feel good about his chances. And the team is bringing some some upgrades. So I think that'll be exciting to see as well. We shall see. For Mercedes, the upgrades are the talk of the town here. They are bringing huge upgrades, which they, which they were supposed to bring to Imola. But there are rumors that it could even be a B-spec car, essentially just bringing a totally new concept. And this, this goes back to Bahrain testing. Their engineering director was talking about the new concept. And he was like, we knew as soon as that car was in Bahrain that we needed to go a different direction. (laughs) Oh, that's tough. But these things take time. um, And yeah, they're bringing a lot. Like, despite that, Toto warned about getting 
too excited. He said there's going to be new suspension, body work, other components. But I think we've said before, like there is no silver bullet that immediately puts them back at the top. But this is the first step in hopefully a lot of upgrades that are going to get them fighting back. Um, Mercedes has one podium this year. It was Lewis's P2 in Melbourne. So despite that, they've actually got a lot of points <laughs> this season. They do. Um, but yeah, definitely not where they want to be, as we've said many times. But in Monaco, Lewis has won three times here, so the energy is right if they show up with a good car that the drivers are comfortable with. And, of course, we – I don't know how I feel about this, but the Lewis to Ferrari rumors are back. We'll talk There's, about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can just get into it now. But uh, the yeah. apparently the rumors are that he has been offered $40 million a 40 million pound contract uh, to sign with Ferrari. But I think he already has that. <laughs> no, but I, it's like a, it's a big thing. So it's like his, his contract extension has not been signed yet. His contract is up with Mercedes. Obviously Mercedes is denying it, but think about what Ferrari gets out of it. Michael Schumacher won five out of his seven championships with them. And imagine if Lewis does the like history breaking eighth title championship with Ferrari too. It would just be like, Ferrari obviously has a lot to gain, but like, what does Lewis have to gain? A, a better car, potentially. <laughs> Is it really that much better of a car? I guess I don't this know. weekend will tell. <laughs> I guess this weekend will tell. To give a little um, foreshadow for our ChatGPT topic, this is what ChatGPT has to say about it. Lewis Hamilton has had a longstanding and successful career with the Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team, winning multiple <laughs> championships with them. However, it's worth noting that the driver market in Formula One can be dynamic and circumstances can change in the future. There we go. There's your answer, folks. <laughs> Thank you, ChatGPT. I personally think... It's not happening. It's just people being bored without F1 for a few weeks. And of course, these crazy driver market rumors kind of crop back up. I think Mercedes will give him a multi-year deal. Um, I'm not really sure if it's worth the risk for him. Just Ferrari has so many issues. I don't think they would necessarily ditch Carlos either. Like They have a young driver who could still have 10 years in him. So and I also don't think for Lewis it's going to be that much about the money, like unless it's some astronomical sum we've never seen before. I think he probably cares more about like the pedigree and his history with Mercedes, you know. Yeah, I'm going to put my stake in the ground and I am welcome to be proven wrong. And I'm going to say there's like less than a 0.1% chance that this happens. Let's go. No chance. All right, moving on to some of the other teams for Alpine. Hopefully they can improve the vibes here after the Alpine CEO, Lauren Rossi, came after Otmar and the team for their underwhelming performance so far. But they did have a very solid double points finish in Miami, P8 and P9. So hopefully they continue to scrap up some of those points as well. For McLaren, last year Lando had a great race in the points, really outperformed last year's car. And so hopefully similar things are in store for him this year. They have the most wins out of any constructor here. They have 15 wins at Monaco. And they also have their new Triple Crown collection out for Monaco to celebrate their 60th anniversary and their iconic Triple Crown. So this is really exciting. The Motorsport Triple, triple Crown is winning the Indy 500, the Monaco GP, and Le Mans, and McLaren has done it all. So this will be, if anything for them, a fun and historic weekend, regardless of how they do on the points. For Alfa Romeo, Botas had a slightly better weekend in Miami, but overall things are just tough going over there. So really hoping for an uptick for them. But 
don't worry. He's still having an amazing time. He's doing a private event this weekend where ticket buyers can do kind of a private weekend with him, with dinner with him and his girlfriend, hanging out on his terrace for about 10,000 euro each. So. <laughs> and he gets to cook the he, – he's cooking the dinner. No way. I think so. I no. think at least really? – No, I feel like – I think it was like he's getting really involved with the menu and like doing it. So if he's not cooking it, it's coming okay. out of his, he's, his brain. He's got the vision, but he's not doing the execution, yeah. which makes yeah. sense. <laughs> like they have so many brands now. There's the Botas coffee. There's the Botas gin. So it'll just be a weekend of Botas food and drinks. The Botas empire is building. <laughs> <laughs> For AlphaTauri, Yuki is coming off some great races. Also, his MVP moment in Emilia-Romagna, helping the town recover from the flooding. He and some of the AlphaTauri employees were helping clean up and soliciting donations and just really, really awesome job by Yuki there. It was, that was so nice to see. So the big discussion here for AlphaTauri is Nick DeVries' performance versus Yuki, and there have been some rumors about, is Daniel Ricardo going to take Nick DeVries' seat? Is Liam Lawson? Like, what? Where is Nick really in the hot seat right now? Um, I don't think it's a secret that he has way underperformed Yuki, and we've talked about this, I think, last episode or the episode before, just yeah. how that was not our expectation. I think we were thinking Nick was going to come in and kind of kind of assert his dominance and he Yuki has outperformed him every time so what do we think I have a lot of thoughts here I think like on paper there's only two points separating them so it doesn't seem that like big of a deal we're only five races in Nick still has some time to shine and and prove himself but like what you were saying like I think on track he's just been really off the pace from Yuki and just very prone to mistakes so I'm not saying that like it's going to happen right now, but I don't think he's going to have like the grace that Haas gave Mick last year where it was like, Mick, you get up until the last race to show us what you got. Like, I think the reckoning will be coming very soon for Nick. Oh, so you think he'll lose his seat midseason? I don't know if it's going to be midseason, but I think if like, okay, we're five races in, if in the next, if in the, in the next five races, he doesn't show a glimmer of promise or potential. Yeah. Like I don't, I mean, I think AlphaTauri has been. Ruth, not ruthless in the past, but I don't think they have any qualms about doing what they need to do. So harsh. Yeah. I think, I think the thing, a bit of a difference with Mick though, is it wasn't Mick's rookie season. So they had given him kind of a full rookie season and another chance at it. But the counter argument to that is Nick was supposed to come in as kind of the experienced hand because he's a Formula E champion. He's a bit older. He wasn't, when I had been talking so much about how I thought he was going to just show up and massively outperform Yuki I don't think he was thought of as kind of the traditional rookie in that sense since he's so experienced so I think I agree I don't think anything would happen mid-season but I could definitely see him being replaced for next year if this doesn't um, improve and I actually don't think maybe this is a wildly hot take I don't think it's that much of a conspiracy theory to think that Danny Rick could take his seat do you think Danny would want to take his seat? I mean, he was so adamant about being at a top team and not going to seats that he didn't feel were worthy of him. Do you think he would actually want to go to AlphaTauri? No, he's having too much fun being like the star <laughs> of the Red Bull show. I don't know. I think it all depends on – he's kind of said multiple times. It depends on whether this year reinvigorates his hunger and love for racing. And if he is at the track every weekend thinking just, oh, my gosh, I want to be in there so badly – I think he would take it because it's still in the Red Bull family. They really value him after everything he's kind of bringing to the team and is bringing to the brand this year. 
So, and I think he's clearly just more comfortable already having a better time being back in kind of the extended Red Bull family. So I don't know. I could see it. Yeah. The one thing I will say for Nick is it's usually not a good sign when the official F1 <laughs> news outlet and Twitter is tweeting about the, the fact that you might lose your seat. <laughs> oh, God. It's pretty bad. Poor guy. Yeah. To wrap up our last few teams here, Haas, so pretty much anything will be an improvement for them after Mick's very scary multi-million dollar crash last year. It'll be their 150th race start this weekend, so good vibes for them. For Aston Martin, Alonso won here in 2006-2007, so quick 15-year hiatus, then another victory. That would be very exciting for them. Last year, he had a funny moment where he was driving super slowly to save his tires, holding everyone up in classic Alonso fashion. Um, and when he was told how frustrated Hamilton got being stuck behind him, he said, quote, not my problem. <laughs> and last team here, Williams. This is a really tough track for a rookie to get a handle on, but it would be really exciting for Logan to have a nice moment to shine here. Okay, hot takes and predictions. What are we thinking? I'm just going to keep this train rolling and say Fernando Alonso wins. <laughs> I, I said that good. that was one of my last hot takes, but I think I'm just going to keep it rolling. I think if you keep it rolling, it'll happen eventually. You'll put well, it out there. Alonso's super experienced. This is, again, a track that if someone comes through and like does a really great job in quality, which I could see Alonso doing, he has some really amazing races at this track. I could definitely see it happening. Yeah. For me, I'm going to go with the Ferrari comeback and Charles on podium. I don't know if this is too rogue and is going to make the curse worse, but I'm going to say Charles wins. <laughs> yes. All right, so he can either thank us or not next week. <laughs> he just needs his, he needs his moment, and whatever the weaknesses of the Ferrari car compared to the Red Bull, like this is really – the weekend for Red Bull's pace advantage to not matter. So I think Charles win, and I agree about Alonzo. I think Alonzo podium. Yeah. Let's go. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. 
Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacovas your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacovas. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. So for news this week, as we know, major flooding in the Emilia-Romagna region, which led to the cancellation of the Imola Grand Prix, it's been really, really horrible. The floods have killed at least 13 people, displaced thousands, and while the race was canceled, it was amazing to see the team stepping up with their own relief efforts. Ferrari and F1 raised and donated over a million uh, euros and teams helping out in the cleanup efforts. Like we said, shout out to Yuki, shout out to Alpha Tauri. It has been amazing to see. So with that, we'll do some sustainability headlines as well before we jump into our special topics. So a couple of sustainability headlines. Mercedes announced their factory of the future. They announced the vision, I believe yesterday or two days ago, as part of their 70 million pound renovation project for their Brackley UK facility. Toto is referring to it as like a Silicon Valley style campus. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But like planned restaurants, workout facilities, and like what you're hearing is nobody ever goes home because everything you need is still there. Nice. Um, But the fun stuff is really around their sustainability goals. So it will be powered by 100% renewable energy. They'll have solar panels. The goal is for 50% reduction in water use per person, 60% recycling of waste. They're aiming for a car-free environment inside the campus. So all part of their race to net zero. Um, So exciting to see that. In related news, AlphaTauri just earned its three-star FIA environmental accreditation, which is the highest available. That's the program the FIA started in 2011 to measure teams' environmental performance. So what they have done to achieve that. The team now uses 100% renewable sources to power their factories in Italy and the UK. They encourage employees to use Fenza's bike-to-work program instead of cars. They have EV charging points, and they're joining Mercedes, McLaren, Alpine, Haas, and Aston Martin as three-star accredited. And then lastly, the sustainable fuel company P1 Fuels is in talks with teams ahead of the 2026 regulations when cars will be switching to fully sustainable fuel. Last year at the British Grand Prix, Vettel did a demonstration run in Nigel Mansell's 
1992 F1 car, which he powered using sustainable fuel, which is just another example of Vettel being the legend he is. (laughs) One of his stated motivations in doing that was to prove that it's possible to still use the classic internal combustion engine cars in a more sustainable way. So he used P1 fuels for that fuel, which is already the exclusive supplier of the World Rally Championship, which is cool. Um, Aramco is the exclusive partner for building sustainable fuel in F1, but teams can drive with different fuel companies. So it's possible for P1 fuels to still get involved. Super exciting. All right. On to our first special topic. Ask chat GPT anything. Ladies, are we ready? (laughs) It took everything in me not to go ask them, ask it, him, (laughs) she, these questions yesterday. Um, So I can't wait to see what we got. And everyone, for context, Tiggy has prepped this and Chessa and I have no idea what the answer (laughs) is going to be to these questions. Yes. And I'm not going to read the spiel. I don't know how often you guys have used ChatGPT, but every time you ask them anything, they have this like disclaimer at the front, like, I don't have personal opinions or determining the best is very subjective, can be a topic of debate. I'm not going to read that, but just assume that that's attached to every answer. (laughs) Okay, All right. Let's go. All right. Give me your first question here, ladies. (laughs) Okay. My first one and especially this is fitting since we're in Monaco, what is the best Formula One track? All right. I have to tell you that Monaco is number five on the list. So (laughs) what are the first four? Number one coming in hot is Spa, known for its unpredictable weather, fast straights, and challenging corners like Rouge. Spa is a favorite among drivers and fans. Thank you. Wow, that was actually an incredibly accurate statement. Yeah, I mean it's pulling being... from the vast knowledge of wealth on like of wealth of knowledge on the internet. It's gonna get it right, hopefully. But Can yeah. you guys I know, guess that's, that's basically what Oscar said in the interview? Like love number Rouge two, Spa, the classic track. Maybe um, number two. I don't know. Is it gonna be like one of the the ones in the Middle East? Nope. I feel like Miami. Gonna... <laughs> uh, the knowledge cutoff of ChatGPT is. Uh, September 2021. So oh, okay, so Baku, <laughs> Circuit of the Americas. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. located in Austin, Texas, this track features a mix of fast and technical sections and is well regarded for its layout and modern facilities. <laughs> modern facilities, that'll do it, fam. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna read the next uh, yeah, four here. Silverstone comes in number Christ. three, oldest and most one of the oldest and most iconic. Suzuka, number four, famous for its figure eight layout and demanding corners. Uh, Number five, Monaco, glamorous setting and narrow streets, uh, prestigious event. (laughs) Although the track itself poses significant challenges for overtaking. Nice. (laughs) Thanks, ChatGPT. Wow. And number six, Brazil, um, Interlagos. So there you have it. That's what ChatGPT thinks is the best track. That was pretty good, actually. Not bad. Not I'm bad. impressed. Okay. Let's keep let's keep the subjective best train rolling. Let's go. Who's the best F1 driver? Formula One has seen many exceptional drivers throughout its history. Here are some of the drivers who are often mentioned among the greatest. Michael Schumacher coming in hot at number one. Holds the record for most world championships with seven titles. Achieved numerous other records during his career. Can we guess number two? Lewis Hamilton. Lewis, if it's citing number championships. <laughs> As of my knowledge cutoff in September 2021, 
Lewis Hamilton has won seven world championships, <laughs> equaling Schumacher's record. <laughs> do, they, do they put Max there? Do they put like Senna or another great Max is not on the list. I'm so sorry, Sarah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad but about that. The, the knowledge cut off again, September 2021. Oh, Max right. was still yeah. up and coming. We have for number three, Juan Manuel Fangio, the Argentine driver, five yeah. world championships in the 1950s. Then we have Senna, Prost, and Vettel. In hot okay, so that's not as good because I feel like it's just ranking by world championships. But yeah. I guess it's gotta it doesn't have it doesn't have favorites. It's just got to go by something, you know. <laughs> True. Uh, okay, well, who who would it say is the most popular driver? Okay, most popular driver. Again, very subjective and can vary depending on factors such as personal preferences, fan bases, and cultural influences. <laughs> However, Lewis Hamilton is widely regarded as one of okay. the most popular and well-known drivers in recent years. His success on track, engaging personality, activism off the track have garnered him a significant following and global recognition. And it it goes along and along. And then it says... Other drivers like Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso, and Max Verstappen also have substantial fan bases. <laughs> cool. That's funny at the end. I would <laughs> not have thrown in Max, Alonso, and Vettel. <laughs> but yeah. substantial fan base. It's hilarious. Okay, what else we got? Okay, for this one, I'm very curious. What I wanted to ask it, who are Drive to Survive fans? This answer was unfortunately not very fun. It was a Drive to Survive fan refers to someone who is a fan of the Formula One documentary series called Drive to Survive. Thank you, Chad GPT. <laughs> okay, that's good. I was worried it was going to say something super biased like, no. oh, Drive to Survive fans are fans who don't know anything about the sport. <laughs> no, no. It was very objective and not very interesting. <laughs> um, did we ask it um, like how to explain F1 to a toddler? Heck yeah, we did. That's a good answer. All right, let's go. Formula One, also known as F1, is a type of car racing that is very fast and exciting. The cars that race in Formula One are called race cars, and they go really, really fast. (laughs) In the Formula One race, the cars drive on a special track called circuit or track. These tracks have lots of twists, turns, and straight parts. The drivers have to be very skilled to handle the cars and go around the track as fast as they can. Formula One races are like a big competition. Many drivers from different teams take part in the race, and they all want to be the fastest and win the race. The races are usually held in different countries around the world. Uh, It goes on, but basically Formula One is very exciting to watch. The cars make loud and exciting sounds as they zoom by. (laughs) (laughs) I do think sometimes you have to give ChatGPT like a... A word limit, otherwise it can yeah. go forever. That's it's so an cute, essay, though. But um, it's very sweet. Also, I love your Chat GPT voice. I hope <laughs> that your voice is the robot voice of the future. <laughs> thank you, um, thank you. If we asked it who won the 2021 Formula, the Drivers Championship, would it be after the cutoff? Lewis Hamilton, ladies and gentlemen. No. <laughs> he drove for the Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula One team. This victory marked Hamilton's seventh world championship title, equaling the record previously held by Michael Schumacher. So this is wrong on multiple counts. A, Max won, and B, that would have been his eighth. So I think it's okay. confused. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely Too close to the cutoff. Because of the cutoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the most famous moment in F1 history? That is a great question. They, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. There are five. The first, Art and Senna versus 
Elaine Prost collisions. Yes. This was the intense rivalry between Art and Senna and Elaine Prost during the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, so that one, Michael Schumacher's dominance, just his dominance overall, is a, <laughs> is a famous moment. moment. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Senna's tragic death. Yeah. Number four, the Senna versus Prost era. And number five, Braun GP's miracle season in 2009. So it had Senna oh, v. Yeah. Prost twice. Wow. It had, yeah, you're right. It had like the rivalry and then the crash. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, maybe that's, he's, maybe Chat GPT is a little biased towards, towards Senna, but that's okay. He was great. <laughs> All right. The surprise question I said, write lyrics in the style of Charles Leclerc's music. And ladies, this is a good one. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh. Verse one. Driving down the track, the engine roars so loud. With every twist and turn, my heart is so proud. The speed, the adrenaline, it's all in my veins. Racing towards victory, no time for restraints. <laughs> Pre-chorus. In the cockpit, I feel the rhythm of the road. As the crowd erupts, they carry my heavy load. With determination, I push through the fear. This is my moment. The time is finally here. Oh, my God. Chorus. Oh, I'm a racer with a burning <laughs> desire through the fire. I'll rise and go higher in the race of life. I'll never tire. I'm Charles Leclerc, fueled by passion and fire. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm literally crying. I won't read the whole thing, but there's a bridge. There's an outro. There's a verse two. It's incredible. Oh. <laughs> and the fact that it says this time is finally here. <laughs> That'll be the Monaco anthem if I've ever heard one before. That's so, so funny. Thank you, ChatGPT. Uh, wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, that's going to close us out for that section. Yeah. So <laughs> let's move on to do our inaugural segment on women in motorsports. Like we announced, Tiggy did her, or Tiggy announced her sustainability series last week. So we're really excited to keep the ball rolling. Okay. So let's start at the beginning with with F1 Academy since we are in their inaugural season. Uh, we'll be doing, again, specific episodes on the history of women in motorsport and previous series, but we thought we'd catch you up on all things F1 Academy so far. So what is it? It's a project directly from F1 and run by none other than Susie Wolf to develop and prepare female drivers to progress to the higher levels of competition. In other words, it's a hopeful feeder series to get women into F1. And as a quick reminder, the W Series was the standalone women series up until 2022. It was canceled late last year when funding fell through, and then F1 Academy was opportunistically announced shortly thereafter. So right off the tails of the W Series. And and the F1 Academy also kind of came in initially with more sports. It's a run by F1 itself, which yeah. is kind of something that crucially W Series was missing. So the explicit goal of the category is to give young female talent in the junior categories access to more track time, racing, testing, and of course the support and experience needed to progress into F3, F2, hopefully on the path to F1. So it's supposed to be just on the path of the regular Formula Feeder Series. For this first season, there are five teams with three drivers, so 15 drivers total, We'll be doing some driver deep dives, but the F1 Academy has an amazing mix of new and experienced talent that has raced in a lot of different categories, including F2 and F3. The youngest driver, Chloe Chong, is only 16, but the grid also includes several more experienced drivers, including the W Series veteran Abby Pulling, 
The oldest driver is 25. So definitely along lines of the goals. It's definitely more of an F2 kind of feeder series vibe. It's definitely targeting younger. And fun fact, we've talked about this, but there are two sisters racing together for the MP Motorsport team, Amna and Hamda al from the UAE, which is unreal. So cool. So the structure of the season, it's quite different than F1. The calendar has 21 races across seven race weekends or rounds. So each weekend has three uh, races. The races are featuring as many F1 tracks as possible to give the grid the chance to develop their technical skills. But There will only be one race co-located with F1, which is Austin in October. So, Although I think they did announce that next year their goal is to have them like mostly be all co-located. So working towards yeah. that. Yeah, which is huge because so much of it, if they're trying to kind of build a pipeline to F1, is if the races are in the same weekend, the women can meet with the teams, have the experience of being in the paddock, just kind of a much better learning opportunity. Yeah, and get that live streamed. So Uh the race weekend or round, it has two quality sessions and three races. This is an interesting strategic difference for most F1 races, except for sprints, because in the academy, the teams need to manage across three races instead of one to maximize points for the weekend. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So what has the season looked like so far? Three rounds and nine races down there. The launch was in late April in Spielberg, Austria. And then two rounds in May in Valencia and Barcelona. So in terms of standings, our top five include 153 points uh, for Marta Garcia with Prema Racing. She's won three races so far. 94 points, we have Hamda al with MP Motorsport with one race won. And 83 points, we have Lena Bueller with Art, Art Grand Prix. She's also won one race. And then 77 points for Abby Pulling with Roden Carlin. And then fifth, we have the other Alcabasi sister, Amna, with MP Motorsport, and she's won two races. It's It was so interesting for me pulling these stats and trying to get my mind around like every race weekend has three races to win points at, and then all of those three races have subsequent like podiums and points too. So like you can be high up in the points and not have won a race just because there's so many opportunities to get points. So Yeah, and then – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, and I would just say the one driver missing from this list who's talked about a lot is Bianca Busamente from the Philippines. She has been doing super well. She won a race, I think, the last round, and she had a billboard in the Philippines, and it was just so sweet. She was so happy and proud, and just imagine coming from, you know, your home country and, like, seeing your your face on a billboard there and just, like, making the country so proud, I think. Oh, I can't wait for these races to be co-located. It's going to be really awesome. Um, So speaking of which, so if you want to get involved, start watching. We'll give you a little bit on how. So there's no live stream available yet um, because because the races aren't co-located. It makes it very challenged. So if they don't have the full infrastructure set up at all of the circuits like F1. But on the Mondays following the race weekend, you can watch highlights on F1 Academy on their social media channels, YouTube and F1 TV. And that's also going to be on F1 um, social media channels and YouTube. And then also there'll be like for local channels, there'll be like a 15 minute recap of the weekend, usually going to be available on Wednesdays, which you can also watch on those on those channels. Um, And Speaking of watching this this series, we are really excited about the recent announcement from Hello Sunshine. They're going to be teaming up with Susie Wolf to create like a DTS type 
docuseries on the F1 Academy, and it'll be, you know, Drive to Survive style. It'll follow all the drivers and all five teams throughout the season. It's still kind of being worked out what the name is going to be, when it's going to launch, when they're going to start filming, but we are very excited to start seeing more coverage on F1 Academy and women in motorsport in general. So with that, we hope you enjoyed this little segment. Lots more to come on this and sustainability in the future. And we are very excited for Monaco. So we'll talk to you guys later.